Do your friends believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Do you? How can you be sure one way or the other? Anchored by Truth is here to help. The Bible's extraordinary historical reliability is one of the most powerful lines of evidence that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. For over 2,000 years, the ancient city of Nineveh disappeared from the pages of history except from the book of Jonah in the Bible. In the early 19th century, the archaeologist Spade unearthed Nineveh's ruins, confirming the Bible's accuracy. To hear more evidence that you can use to be sure for yourself that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God, tune in to Anchored by Truth on Wave FM every Tuesday morning at 11.30, or listen to previous episodes on your favorite podcast app. Faith in the Bible isn't about a leap in the dark. It's about walking in the light of reason and evidence. And Anchored by Truth is here to help you discover that light. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 New International Version Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 23 verse 4 New King James Version Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Isaiah chapter 49 verses 15 and 16 New King James Version I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. The Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 25, New King James Version. Good morning. I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm here today with R.D. Fierro, author and founder of Crystal Sea Books. Today, we had planned to start a new series on Anchored by Truth to focus on one of the strongest lines of evidence for the Bible's inspiration, fulfilled prophecy. But given that all that's going on in our community and nation right now, we thought that we would set aside that for a moment and take some time to meditate on some of what the Bible says to us about one of the most important and comforting things God says to us in the Bible, that God promises He will never leave us or forsake us. R.D., care to make some introductory comments? I'd love to. 
One of the questions you hear most when tragedy and difficult circumstances arise, like the ones we're dealing with now, is the question you often hear TV hosts ask ministers who they put on their shows. And the question is, where is God in all of this? Well, for me, there's a short answer to that question, which I don't think would satisfy anyone, or certainly not very many. And then there's a slightly longer answer, which personally brings me a lot of comfort. The short answer is that God is right where he's always been. But that answer is incomplete in oh so many ways. The longer answer is that God is right where he has always been, but that means that he is still with us. As we heard in our opening scriptures today, God has promised us, his children, that he will never leave us or forsake us. To me, that's a promise with some truly astounding dimensions. Hmm, that sounds both intriguing and oddly reassuring, all at the same time. But before we unpack the longer answer more fully, R.D. has recorded a message of encouragement to the church because we want to remind everyone that the church, the body of believers in Christ, can be a source of hope and comfort for their communities in times like this. Encouragement for the Church Hi, this is R.D. Fierro from the Anchored by Truth radio program and podcast. Many in the body of Christ have rightfully lamented the state of our nation's culture and the decline in the number of those who honor Jesus with their lives and worship. Well, in the midst of the difficult circumstances created by the COVID-19 virus's arrival on our shores, the church has a unique role to play. We can and should be the first to fall to our knees to pray for the protection of our nation and communities, and we can set the example of being good citizens as Romans chapter 13 exhorts us to. We can also be sensitive and compassionate to those around us, and we can and should respond to the opportunities to serve others as the Lord presents those opportunities to us. And when we bring the practical love and service to others that Christ modeled for us, we can also be alert to tell them of the reason that we want to serve and help. Jesus established the model of attending to the practical needs of the people who sought him. He fed, healed, and comforted them, but he always did so with a heart towards giving them the gospel, the good news that he was there to bring eternal hope as well as earthly help. Jesus brought healing to the multitudes and then died for our sins. We honor him best when we imitate his service and there is no more important time to extend his love to others than when affliction is in our midst. Crystal Sea Books and Anchored by Truth prays for health and strength for all and especially that we can all bring the light and comfort of Christ to a waiting world. I think that message is a good reminder to us all. One of the biggest reasons that the church spread so rapidly in its infancy was because believers acted very differently from their pagan neighbors of the time. Plagues were not uncommon in the ancient world, and they were certainly well known in the Roman Empire in the first few centuries AD. But typically in those days, when a plague arrived, the wealthy and powerful, who could, just moved away from the affected area. The poor and common people had to stay and suffer. The values of the various pantheons of gods that were prevalent at the time 
did not contain an exhortation to care for or provide for the less fortunate. But the Christians were different, weren't they? Yes. Rather than flee the afflicted areas, the Christians actually stayed and tried to bring relief to their communities. Now, that was such a departure from what the people were used to in those times that it attracted a lot of attention to Christianity. There's a really good article on BillMuhlenberg.com where he talks about the vast differences in the two different value systems and what effect that difference had in generating a positive reaction to early Christianity. Naturally, any suffering group that gets help from someone else is going to feel an attraction to that group. They're going to feel attracted to the group that's providing them the help which they need in their hour of desperation. So, of course, when they were attracted to the early Christians who were trying, motivated by their Christian values, to bring relief among suffering, that made the people that they were helping much more receptive to hearing the gospel. Well, that makes perfect sense. We're always going to be receptive to anyone and their message who is putting themselves at risk for us. So what about this long and short answer to the question, where is God in all of this? As you said, the short answer is that God is right where he has always been. But the longer answer is that there is good news, because our God is always with us. Exactly. And that can be both comforting and troubling at the same time. I heard a Sunday school teacher once ask the students in her class what they thought God was like. Now, after hearing various answers from different children, she finally got around to little David who said, Well, I think God is the fellow who's always hanging around to see if anyone is having a good time, and if they are, he tries to put a stop to it. Ouch! That's a bit... Troubling? To say the least. Well, at least that means the Sunday school teacher still had plenty of opportunities to help her students understand the nature of God, especially with little David. Anyway, setting aside that cute but slightly disturbing perspective about who God actually is, I think a lot of people who aren't Christians, and even some Christians, often wonder about calamities and tragedies. Why does God permit them in the first place? I often wonder that. So do I. Unfortunately, I heard a minister say something that I have certainly found to be true as far as my own observations in life are concerned. One of the questions that God isn't often inclined to answer is why he does anything. And the minister went on to say that if God condescended to provide us with an answer to why he does something, most of the time we, as limited human beings, wouldn't have the capacity to understand it. But there are two other questions that are related to the why, and God often will provide us some insights into those answers, even in the midst of the crisis. And those questions are? Can God bring blessing out of calamity? And the answer to that question is decidedly yes. But going along with that question is another one. What can I learn from what I'm going through, and how can I use it to be a blessing to others? Oh, I see where you're going with this, and I'm not sure I like it. The Bible unambiguously tells us that God is a good God, But that's quite different from saying that we, as human beings, are always going to like or even agree with everything that our good God does. Amen to that. But sometimes I wish that was the case. Well, if God only did the things that I agree with, that would make me God. And I'm not, and I'm glad I'm not. Frankly, I'm not qualified for that job, and no human being or even the highest of the angels is qualified for that job. 
But even when things happen that we don't like, Romans 8.28 tells us very straightforwardly that, and I'm quoting here, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, notice in that quote from, again, Romans 8.28, that the Apostle Paul does not say that everything is good as sometimes misconstrue that verse to mean. The Apostle Paul is not saying that all things are good. They are not, and we know that. But what Paul is saying is that God is working in all things for the good of those of us who are called according to his purpose. That means that God will often leave us in situations that we don't like, but that doesn't mean he's indifferent to them. Quite the contrary. God works actively in our situations for our good, but it would be the silliest of things to say that this is an easy lesson for any one of us to learn, me especially. Regrettably, there's a lot of truth in C.S. Lewis's famous observation, and again, I'm quoting, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now, that's, I think, an accurate observation. It's just not a very pleasant one. But I would hasten to add to C.S. Lewis's observation that even in our pain, God never leaves us or forsakes us. And that's where I derive my comfort. I'm never alone. God, Jesus, is always with me. Yes. I've always been struck by the verse out of the 23rd Psalm that we included in our opening scriptures. When we walk through desperate times, even in the valley of the shadow of death, God is there with us. The only reason we can walk those valleys without fearing evil is because he walks with us. Exactamundo. And that points back to one of the reasons it's so important that we take some time to read and study the Bible. We can't be comforted by the Bible's promises if we aren't familiar with those promises. Now, I can see where people who have never meditated on God's unambiguous declaration that He won't leave us or forsake us or walk with us in our darkest valleys, I can understand how those people could be discouraged. They don't know what we know. Just like a person who doesn't know about a medical treatment would be far more terrified than the doctor that they're about to consult who's treated that condition successfully hundreds of times. When the patient doesn't know that the doctor can and is willing to help them, that patient is going to be scared. But the doctor approaches that same situation with confidence because he or she possesses knowledge that the patient does not. Wow, that's a really amazing point. Christians can live life with a lot less fear because we have the promise that we're never alone. Never. But there's no way someone who isn't familiar with the Bible can have that same confidence. Exactly. And that's why it's so important that when we provide material comfort or assistance to people, tangible help to people, that we are also prepared to provide the good news that Christ is always willing to comfort those who have humble and contrite hearts. But obviously, that comfort is only available to those who not only know the Bible, but also have confidence that the Bible is truly the Word of God. If someone thinks that the Bible is just a collection of myth and fairy tale, why would they be comforted by reading through its many, many passages of reassurance? And by the way, 
There are a lot more reassuring passages in the Bible than we're going to have time to go over today. And the good news is that with today's internet, it's relatively easy to do a search and find out about many of the comforting passages that Scripture contains. It's a little like back in the days when people had to depend on letters to get news about a loved one who was far away. How many mothers and fathers were reassured when they got letters from their sons and daughters who were far, far away and in danger? People wouldn't just read those letters once. They would read them over and over because of the reassurance they brought. And that's a great illustration of how the Bible can provide reassurance when we're feeling anxious. And I know it's silly to say, but there's no reason we can't read a comforting passage as many times as we want. You know, you don't think about that. A lot of people have Bible study patterns that they use, like reading a certain amount so they can make it through the entire Bible in a year. But as good as a habit as that may be, maybe at times like this, they just want to read a particular part over and over, like the 23rd Psalm, or Romans chapter 8, or Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25, where it tells us that Jesus lives to make intercession for us with the Father. I mean, there's no reason that we can't read those sections as often as we want. Exactly. We can read those sections, or we can go, for instance, to some place like Hebrews 4.16, where we are invited to go boldly or with confidence before the throne of grace. You know, sometimes in our very independent culture, we forget that God never, never, never asks us to do anything on our own, like handle this virus and its effects. Quite the contrary, God invites us to bring all our cares to Him because He cares for us. And that promise is contained in 1 Peter 5, 7. So to circle back to what you're calling victory over virus, you're saying that the first two things people should do, aside from heeding the instructions of government and health officials, is to get back to searching the scriptures and going to Jesus with our needs. And we can do those things with confidence because Jesus opened the way for us when he sacrificed himself to make sure that way was open. Yes and no. I like it when you're definitive. Well, yes, we should do those things, but no, it's not me saying it. That admonition comes straight from God himself. Let's listen to 2 Chronicles 7.14, and I'm quoting here because I want to get this right. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now that version of that verse is from the New International Version. But whoa, what a power-packed verse. God not only wants us to come to Him, but promises that when we do, He will act to help us. Whoa, did I hear that right? God said if His people humbled themselves, He would heal their land. Heal it. That sounds a lot like what we need right now. Yes. And notice, God addressed that to His people. In other words, for today, that's Christians. He tells us Christians to humble ourselves, to turn from our sins, and seek His face. And when we do, He will not only forgive our sins, He will heal our land. It's not that the Bible or God isn't concerned with all people. God is. In fact, think how many people who aren't professing Christians would be benefited if we Christians heed that advice. 
I personally have been including in my prayers that God show His power and bring glory to Himself in this virus crisis by supernaturally limiting the spread of the virus. How would He do that? I don't know. And if He explained it in a way that I could understand, it wouldn't be supernatural. But this is one thing I do know. God can limit the spread and bring His victory over the virus. He's sovereign. He's sovereign over the affairs of creation, including the actions of individual people and what goes on in the microscopic world. God is sovereign. Now, he will decide in his own good providence whether to do it or not. But me, all of us, are absolutely permitted to pray for that, to pray for God to supernaturally limit the spread of the virus. And James 5.16 says that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Now, notice James doesn't say we have to be perfect. We're righteous. We're going to be considered righteous for that verse if we've trusted Jesus for our salvation and if we're trying to walk consciously in obedience to Him. We don't have to be perfect. God knows we're not perfect. God knows that we fall short every day. I know I certainly do. But what we should be doing all the time, as it says in Matthew 6.33, is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And the verse in James promises us that when we do that, that we seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that our prayers will be powerful and effective. Now, I'm not claiming that God is going to do anything in particular with respect to the virus that's afflicting this nation. I'm praying for relief and comfort, but I'm also not afraid to go to God, as His Word says boldly, to ask for Him to intercede supernaturally, not just for Christians, but for all of us, and not just in this country, but around the world. I'm asking for God to come in and to help us, and He's sovereign. He'll decide whether to do it, but there's nothing that stops us from praying for that, and frankly, when we do that, I think that we can be encouraged and confident by knowing that we've done what God calls us to do. Which we will be doing if we humble ourselves and consciously turn away from our sin. You know, this episode of Anchored by Truth has been all about the victory over the virus, but it really has been a wonderful illustration of the unity of Scripture. God didn't just give one or two promises of reassurance to His children in the Bible. He wove His assurances to His children throughout the Bible, which proves how much He really does care for us. Well, I don't know how many Bible verses we've hit today, but a lot. For our listeners who might like to be able to rehear some of them, as with all the episodes of Anchored by Truth, this episode will become a podcast shortly after the broadcast, and there will be a text file of the podcast notes that will contain the verses. Today we're going to close with Crystal Sea Books' recently released Prayer for the Victory Over the Virus. Both it and the message of encouragement we heard at the start of the show are available on the Crystal Sea Books Facebook page. We pray all of our listeners and our nation and the communities stay safe. Also, remember what Nehemiah said, The joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's all stay strong in Christ. Prayer for the victory over the COVID-19 virus. Almighty, gracious, and heavenly Father, we glorify your holy name, for you are sovereign and merciful. Lord, we come to you on behalf of our nation and the many who are suffering from the COVID-19 virus. 
We pray that you would stretch your hand out now as when you first frame the heavens and earth and become a wellspring of healing, health, and restoration. You are aware of the afflictions of your people. You have a heart of compassion for them. We pray, Lord, that you would restrict the spread of this virus within our nation and our world and that you would bring comfort to the afflicted. We pray that you would give wisdom to our national and local leaders of all parties so they would make wise choices. We pray for doctors and medical personnel, first responders, and those who provide retail services to bring us essential material supplies. We pray that Jesus would accompany each of them and give them the strength they need to work in difficult conditions. We pray that you give them compassion and patience as they encounter people who are suffering, sometimes greatly and in desperate need. We know that you are able to provide recovery and victory even when our human vantage point sees no hope. You are the hope for the hopeless and a sure refuge in time of trouble. We pray that you would help us see where we can be of service and give us hearts to bring your comfort and your word to the places they are needed. We pray that you would help us to always be compassionate assistance when that is required. Jesus brought healing to the multitudes and then died for our sins. Therefore, we come to you in his holy and matchless name. Amen. We'd like to remind our audience that a lot of our radio episodes are linked together in series of topics. So if they've missed any episodes, or if they just want to hear one again, all of these episodes are available on your favorite podcast app. To find them, just search on Anchored by Truth by Crystal Sea Books. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where... We're not famous, but our boss is. Do your friends believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Do you? How can you be sure one way or another? Anchored by Truth is here to help. One of the 20th century's most prominent archaeologists, Sir William Ramsey, started out as a doubter about the historical reliability of the Book of Acts. But after doing decades of his own on-site investigations, Ramsey completely changed his mind and wrote that Luke's history was unsurpassed in respect of its trustworthiness. To hear more evidence that you can use to be sure for yourself that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God, tune in to Anchored by Truth on Wave FM every Tuesday morning at 11.30, or listen to previous episodes on your favorite podcast app. Faith in the Bible isn't about a leap in the dark, it's about walking in the light of reason and evidence, and Anchored by Truth is here to help you discover that light. Encouragement for the Church Hi, this is R.D. Fierro from the Anchored by Truth radio program and podcast. Many in the body of Christ have rightfully lamented the state of our nation's culture and the decline in the number of those who honor Jesus with their lives and worship. 
Well, in the midst of the difficult circumstances created by the COVID-19 virus's arrival on our shores, the church has a unique role to play. We can and should be the first to fall to our knees to pray for the protection of our nation and communities, and we can set the example of being good citizens as Romans chapter 13 exhorts us to. We can also be sensitive and compassionate to those around us, and we can and should respond to the opportunities to serve others as the Lord presents those opportunities to us. And when we bring the practical love and service to others that Christ modeled for us, we can also be alert to tell them of the reason that we want to serve and help. Jesus established the model of attending to the practical needs of the people who sought Him. He fed, healed, and comforted them, but He always did so with a heart towards giving them the gospel, the good news that He was there to bring eternal hope as well as earthly help. Jesus brought healing to the multitudes and then died for our sins. We honor Him best when we imitate His service, and there is no more important time to extend His love to others than when affliction is in our midst. Crystal Sea Books and Anchored by Truth prays for health and strength for all, and especially that we can all bring the light and comfort of Christ to a waiting world.